0: It's good to be together to celebrate Pentecost today. Happy birthday to church. Um, I love Pentecost. I think it might be my favourite day in the church year because it's such an exciting turning point, isn't it, in um, the story of Scripture, in the story of God, as we kind of go from this, this kind of one person at a time gifting to God pouring out his spirit on all people. So it's an exciting day. And it's been an exciting weekend. Hopefully you've had lots of fun over the last few days celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Um, I was looking for something, um, a little video or something that would help us to see um, what Frank was talking about, that the Queen is an incredible um, communicator of faith, actually. She's very bold at speaking about Jesus, and she does it uh, quite often. She takes her opportunities. She's a brilliant role model for us as we've been thinking about sharing faith. Um, and I was looking for a video of the Queen, but I actually, well, Justin actually found this other video, and it's so brilliant that I wanted to share it with you. It's about the Queen. So can we have a look at the video, Matty?
1: Normally, I pick on this side next, you, mean you, you, you buddy. There was like, two coming towards us, and the Queen would open and say, help me. And it was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment that we first stop, they hadn't recognised the Queen, which is fine, and the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, who they going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to her Majesty, and where do you live? <laughs> and she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thinking. He said, Well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the queen. I and as it. quick as a flash, says, Well, I haven't, but Dickia meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, Well, oh, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, Oh, she can be very cantankerous at times. <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder. And before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? (laughs) Anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the queen, and we never let on. And we waved goodbye, and then her majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am.
0: It's good fun, isn't it? Um, And I I believe she does have a brilliant sense of humour. But I suppose that it's not just fun, that video. I think at the beginning of Acts, what we see is um, a church not unlike our own, actually not unlike the Americans, um, in that they hadn't quite seen what was right in front of them they hadn't got the full picture. As they gathered together in this holy huddle, in this upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit, they'd understood that Jesus had said to them, stay in Jerusalem, stay together and wait for the helper that I'm sending you. But I don't think they'd totally understood what that meant. I think the early church, um, actually way beyond, beyond Pentecost, but certainly at this stage, they were really just waiting for Jesus to come back. They were just expecting that any minute now, Jesus is going to do something different. But what we know from reading the rest of the story is that the different that Jesus is about to do has a lot to do with them and what he's going to do with and through them. Jesus is preparing to take them to the next level. Um, They've followed him around and they've seen him do incredible miracles and they've sort of been on the edges of seeing the power of God at work. But in this moment, in this Pentecost moment, he's about to take them to the next level where they will be the people who do the miracles. They will be the people who preach the coming kingdom. And um, I believe that's true for us today as well. I think we find ourselves in a similar situation where we feel like a minority, where we're wholly huddled in our buildings, sort of waiting for what Jesus is going to do next. And I think the message that comes to us at Pentecost is what Jesus is going to do next has quite a lot to do with you. So are you ready this morning to receive the Holy Spirit and to go to that next level where Jesus works in and through us as the church to do incredible things again through his church? Are you ready for that today? You look very very sleepy. (laughs) Come on, we are ready for that today. We want, don't we, to receive the Holy Spirit. We want to see the things that these early Christians saw as God filled them with power and used them for his purposes. So to give you a bit of uh, Pentecost context, um, Pentecost is the birthday of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And um, we've seen Jesus taken up into heaven. They've gathered together back in Jerusalem Um, We're 50 days on from Passover festival where Jesus has been arrested and crucified and we're sort of in this place. So you'll remember when we looked at the Psalms of Ascent that people gather into Jerusalem for these festivals and this is the next major festival so it's a pressure cooker moment particularly for these early followers of Jesus because they're back in this place where Jerusalem's emptied out for 50 days and life's been strange and they've seen Jesus and he's ascended into heaven and now they're back in a crowded Jerusalem full of Jews and um, back in that place where the Romans are jumpy um, because there's been these uprisings and threats of uprisings when Jerusalem fills for festivals and so they're huddled in a room and they're fearful and they're confused and they don't see the full picture and they're very few in number. And then we know, don't we, that the Holy Spirit comes in a rushing wind and in tongues of fire on their heads and they pour out into the streets, speaking every language of the people who are gathered from all over the Roman world. And we've been thinking a bit, haven't we, about how we can speak the language of the people who are outside our doors. And Pentecost is the key to this. Because God gives um, all kinds of languages, spiritual languages, um, known languages, but also I believe that God can give us the language to speak to people in a way that they understand even in our own language. And then this significant moment happens and and we look at it really often. We, We often read that first part of Acts 2, don't we, where they're gathered in the room and this incredible event happens and that's exciting and wonderful and we want to see those things. But what I want us to look at a little bit this morning is the sermon that Peter preaches on that first Pentecost, because I think it has some ingredients that can help us to think about how we tell a better story. You see, Peter and the disciples start in a locked room, and when they receive the power of God, they receive the potential that's unlocked within them to to speak about the kingdom of God. And there are three things I think we see in Peter's sermon. So first of all is powerful connection. Peter starts off by saying fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then later on, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. In speaking to the people, Peter draws on and harnesses his connection to that community. You are a part of this community in Southport. When you speak about Jesus, you are connected to these people. You are one of them. And I believe that the Holy Spirit helps us to harness those connections to the people around us so that we have powerful relational connection with people. He's able to speak as one of them, and he's able to bring in shared reference points into the way that he speaks to them. And that's what we've been looking at and thinking about, isn't it? How do we speak into our culture in a way that they understand so that we bring this 2,000 years of history, so that we bring this thousands of years of scripture, so that we bring this God that is beyond our understanding into the space and a way that people can understand? He identifies with them, but he's also outside of them. And when he speaks about um, Jesus being handed over, he switches and he starts talking about you. You did this. He, He speaks from inside the community and from outside of it as well with a different perspective. He speaks into the shared events of the past few months So he's explaining to them what's happening now, but he's also starting to explain to them what happened back then. Last time we were together, you remember there was this Jesus and he was was accredited to you by God through the signs and wonders that he did. You remember that guy, he was special, there was something about him that drew your attention. And now we're here and your, your attention's been drawn again. Let me explain to you what this is all about he shares their experiences he shares the reference points and he's able to put them into context for these people who've come back into Jerusalem for this for this next festival And then he offers a new perspective on the experience. Because if we're just in the community, if we're just connected and we're inside it and we can't see beyond it and we can't see from outside it, then we can't explain it to anybody. But Peter is able to step outside of it and offer a new perspective on the experience. Because they haven't all seen Jesus raised from the dead and they didn't all see him ascend into heaven And they don't know what it was all about. But Peter explains, he says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. In those words, he's explaining who Jesus really is, this revelation that he's received from his own experience. He's sharing with the people who he's connected with, who he's been able to um, share some reference points with, but then he gives them some information that's outside of their own experience. So we have powerful connection. We, We harness the relationship and the connection that we have with the community. And we speak something into it that it doesn't already know. The next thing Peter does is that he spe- he points to Jesus. He says, "Fellow Israelites, listen to this: Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs." He points them immediately back to Jesus. And later on, a bit further on in the passage says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So he points them to Jesus. He explains to them who Jesus is and then he explains to them why it's important. As the passage goes on, he's reminding them, this is the hope that you've been looking for. And it's found in Jesus and this is how you can access it. This powerful thing that you're seeing in front of you, this thing that's attracting your attention, this is how you get involved in it. And Peter knew this before because he'd been with Jesus and they knew he'd been with Jesus. This stuff was already there in his heart and in his mind to be able to share it. He uses this experience of living and working with Jesus and seeing the events that ran up to this moment to point people to who Jesus really is. Do you know Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Are you able to point people to him because you really know him and you've shared your life with him? Because people who know something of Jesus, people who've heard of Jesus, they need people to fill the gaps for them. They need people who know Jesus and can speak about him and introduce them to him and explain to them how they can share in that relationship with him. So we have powerful connection. We have pointing to Jesus and then he points them to God's plans and power. So these are his fellow Israelites. These are other Jews who've been looking for God to move in power. And so Peter draws them back to the story of God. He draws them back to something which they would be familiar with. This prophecy from Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He explains to them what they're seeing in front of them by drawing them back to something they know. They're not recognising the thing that they've been looking for. But Peter points them to the power of God at work among them. He points them back to a bigger story that's not a new story. It's the story that God has been unfolding in front of them for hundreds years even thousands of years. It's the story that the prophets had told that they're waiting to see fulfilled. And now it's reached this new chapter. We've been talking, haven't we, about the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And and they're familiar with that God created the world and that there are fallen people and that there's this need for sacrifice. There's this need for God to come and do something and they're waiting for the Messiah to come to bring this redemption and restoration and Peter gets to stand up and introduce the new chapter where God's doing the thing that they're waiting for. He's telling them a better story, the story that Israel was longing for, of God with them and for them. And we know, don't we, that that our culture, our community are waiting for a better story. They don't know what it is. They don't have this story in front of them that they're hanging their hopes on. But they're looking for a better story. And we get the opportunity to go and tell that story. But what is it that makes Peter able to do these things? Because all this stuff is stuff that Peter already knew. Before anything happened, Peter was already a Jew. He was already part of this community. He was already connected. He was already in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit didn't transport him. He was already there. He already had all of this potential. He already knew Jesus. He'd already been with Jesus. And he already knew these prophecies and this story. So what is it about Pentecost that means that that potential and that stuff that Peter had in his hands gets moved into action? He's using what he already has, but with the power of God to move it from potential to action. What took Peter from a holy huddle to proclaiming the good news was the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him. That's the only new thing that happens in this passage, is that Peter's filled with the Spirit and he's able to use what's in his hands. And this morning while I've been speaking, um, the Holy Spirit has been nudging you about the things that are in your hands already. Perhaps you know that you already have connection. Perhaps you know that you already have a story. But at the moment, they're held in this holy huddle. And they're not being used to their full effect. But the great news of Pentecost is that the power of the Holy Spirit is all the power we need to take us from potential to action. And I think that's the great fear of what we've spoken about over these last few weeks is that we have the story, that we do the work, that we figure out how we tell the story, but we never make the step to actually go outside the doors and do something with it. And this morning is our opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to come and empower us, to come and equip us, to come and push us out of our comfort zone, out into the streets, out into the places where we've been sent, to the people we've been connected with, to the stories that God's already given us to speak powerfully about Jesus and about the coming kingdom of God and invite people in. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite us to receive the Holy Spirit And I want you to really think carefully this morning about what are the things that are already in your hands? What are the things that God has already given you that at the moment you just don't have the power to put them into action? And how can we make some space for the Holy Spirit to come and to give us the power so that what we have in our hands becomes effective in his hands? so that we're empowered for the mission that we're called to, so that our stories don't just sit around in here, but they make it out there and they invite people into a relationship with Jesus. So can I invite you to stand and I'm gonna ask Jean to come and play for us. And we're gonna wait, just like those disciples waited in the upper room, we're gonna make ourselves available Because the promise of God in this passage is that he will pour out his Holy Spirit on all people. That that is what he longs to do, is to pour out his Spirit on his people, to empower us for the mission that he calls us to. And so this morning, we make ourselves available. We put ourselves in this place of waiting for the Holy Spirit and we trust that God is faithful, that he will pour out his Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.